And as Phil comes um, to speak to us, let's turn in our Bibles, if you have one, um, to the passage this morning. We're reading from Romans, and we're reading Romans chapter 2, and we're reading verses 1 to 11. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Um, A friend next to you can point you towards where that passage is, or you can listen if you would like as well. So Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. We've been working through uh, this letter together. You therefore have no excuse... You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, There will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Thanks for reading that, Andy. If you could have your Bible open in front of you, we're going to look at that passage together now. If you're visiting here this morning, either for the first time or as one of Rose's guests, can I just say how good it is to see you here this morning? It's been a lovely morning. For the next few minutes, we're going to uh, take the time to look more closely at those verses from the Bible that we've just read. The bit that we've just read is a passage that came from a historical letter written by a man called Paul to the earliest church in Rome. And his letter is all about how important the good news of the Christian message is to this world. We've just started working our way through the book as a church on Sunday mornings, and that's why we're looking at this passage together. To give us a bit of background to what's been said earlier, last week we read about how everybody needs the good news of Jesus because people are constantly wanting God to work around us. We want him to do things our way, according to our timings and our desired outcomes. Except, effectively, what we want to, what we do to God is to reject how he wants to relate to us Instead, we want him to relate to us on our terms. 
And because of this attitude towards God, God respects our wishes. And he allows the consequences of that to play out. So if we live ignoring God's presence, he will remove his presence from us. And we will live according to a new set of rules by our own making. So the passage we looked at last week explained how sad that road is and how much we need Jesus to rescue us from that attitude. But then in the passage we're looking at today, Paul addresses a common reaction to hearing that. You see, some people might hear that message and say, well, do you know what? I'm not like that. I'm a good person. I give to charity, I invest my time and energy in good causes, I give to, to, to the Syrian cause. I'm not like the anarchic climate, climate protesters, I'm not like the militant English Defence League. League, I pay my taxes, I work hard, and most of all, I believe in God. I'm, I'm just not as fanatical about God as you, Paul. Perhaps that sounds like many of us here this morning. Well, in this passage, Paul speaks to people like us, people who can't see there could be anything wrong between us and God. And this passage helps us see three things about us and three things about God, and I've kind of paired them up. So there are three points. Don't uh, don't panic when you hear the word six points. Actually, there are just three points, three things about us, three things about God. The first is, first, see yourself as God sees you we all judge others. See yourself as God sees you, we all judge others. Look at verse 1 with me. It says this, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Basically, what Paul is saying is that we need to get real. There's no one on this planet planet that is not judgmental in some way or another, even in little ways. So let me share you one example. Every morning, I walk down Chaldon Road to get to the church. So I work for the church here, by the way. But the problem with walking down, to, down the Chaldon Road at uh, around 8.30 in the morning is the school run or... or 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 more specifically, the school walk. At 8.30 on a Sunday morning, on a weekday morning, Chaldon Road is one big congestion hotspot. It feels like every parent is trying to walk their children to school in the opposite direction to me, who's trying to walk to the church. And just to compound matters, sorry, I'm going to get a bit bitter at this moment, The people who live on Chaldon Road, and I'm sure it's none of you who live on Chaldon Road here, they park their cars halfway on the pavement. And some park considerately for those of us who think about the planet and walk to to places, but many of them park badly. So badly, in fact, that they sometimes will leave a three-inch gap between the car and the hedge of the front garden in front beside them. So the walk, to ch- the walk down Chaldon Road is not so much a walk as a threading your way down the pavement between hedges and parked cars and screaming children. So one particular morning, I was making my way to church, and I saw a very stressed out mum with three disgrunt- disgruntled children in tow as she was striding purposefully towards me, clearly trying to get her children to school on time. And between us... 
was yet another badly parked car, leaving the tiniest of gaps. Now, let me just humbly tell you about how thoughtful I was at that point. (laughs) Rather than speed up and quickly sneak in the gap before she could get there, I did the godly, even the saintly thing, and I stopped to let her walk through the gap, which she did. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Did she thank me? No. No, she didn't even, she didn't even roll her eyes in gratitude for sparing her the added pain of a delay to her walk. No, instead she carried on like a Sherman tank, dragging her screaming brood as though I were just a casual onlooker in the drama of her life. And there was I, kind, thoughtful me, fighting through the congestion. My delayed journey was so that she couldn't be inconvenienced and she didn't even notice. And I thought, that's what this country has come to. (laughs) Bad parking and rude neighbourliness. And as I carried on my journey, I thought, well, at least I'm not like them. If I were to park my car on Children Road, I would give the time and attention to carefully finding the right balance between not blocking the road and making space for the kind pedestrians. Secondly, if I were ever given the right of way in such a tight space, walking on the pavement, I wouldn't have just thanked the person. I would have groveled in gratitude. It took me about three hours, I have to be honest, to calm down. And then, only then, did I realize how ridiculous I had been and I was being. And the thing is, That attitude is exactly what God wants to talk about this morning through these verses we've just read. It's like God is saying, hang on a minute, Phil. You're judging those drivers. You're judging that woman. But don't you do the same things? Don't you park badly sometimes? Aren't you quick to forget others who are in a hurry, uh, when you're in a hurry? Look at what you've become, Phil. You're self-righteous. You judge others. And just as God challenges my self-righteousness here, it's fair to say that when we all have incidents where we too judge the people around us that we read about in papers or online in the news, we've all said, well, I'm not like them. And so God says to us, see God as he is. He lovingly warns us. He lovingly warns us. Look at the Bible in verse 2. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? The point is this. Because we judge people, but still do the same things, we're actually no better than anyone else in this world. And like everyone else in the world, we are under God's judgment. So when we judge others, even in four seconds of inconvenience, it shows us that the real problem we all have is that our hearts are not right. That there is something deeply wrong with our attitude towards God, towards other people. What is it that deep, that's deeply wrong? It's our self-righteousness, that, that we think we have some kind of special card to play that makes us better than others, both in this life and in the life to come. But God wants us to see that 
this attitude shows him, shows us that our hearts are not right with him and we need him to fix it. We need God to change our hearts, to save us from his judgment. And his judgment is truthful and fair. Which means behind all this news that reveals the true wrongness of our self-righteousness is the good news about God. You see, God is gracious enough to say, look, guys, look at who you are. Look at what you're like. Just just stop and take a real proper reality check for a second because actually we're all wrong. And, and he's showing us that. God is saying, look, look, I'm not an angry, capricious God. I'm not, I'm not just sitting here throwing thunderbolts at you, saying, find your own way, you silly person. No, I'm telling you lovingly and kindly, look at who I am. Open your eyes. See the person of Jesus because he is so wonderful, so magnificent, so amazing. And, and, and you just need to take a, a rain check and see what you're like and see what Jesus is like and work out how can you know him so that what you're like, what we're like, can change. Perhaps the truths of the Bible this morning have shown us the need for what Rose has. The need for something that's been missing for years. The need for a true and humble relationship with God. If that's you this morning, honestly, grab Rose after the service. Sorry, Rose, I'm totally dumping you in it. But, but grab her. Talk to her. Ask her, what is it that you have that, that I don't? What is it, Rose, that, that, that makes your heart changed? That doesn't seem to have happened to me. Do you know, the second thing that this passage challenges over us, uh, us over this morning is that each of us takes God's patience for granted. Look with me. First, see yourself as God sees you. We all take his patience for granted. That's the second point this morning. Look with me at verse 4. Um, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead, lead you to repentance? It's quite a difficult verse to understand, but I'm going to make it easier by putting it into in to my words. So um, simplified, it goes like this. You guys who judge others, it's obvious that you know one day you're going to meet God, but why do you delay in finding out more about him? Is it because you just assume you don't need to do that because you're better than others? Or is it because you think time is on your side because you know that God is kind. But, but stop there. Because if you think that, you've got it all wrong. You see, God's kindness in giving us time in this life before Judgment Day is because he wants, us to, uh, to, he wants to lead us into a relationship with him. So we've got time now. Use it wisely and get to know God. We've got the wrong end of the stick. We know that we can, we think that we can ignore God because we're a pretty nice person and we're doing okay, thanks very much. But the passage says, this verse 4 says that God is showing us kindness and patience. And the purpose of that is to give us time to get to know him. So it's kind of saying, see God as he is. So first see yourself as God sees you. We all, need, we all take his patience for granted. Then see God as he is. He wants us to know him. How do you get to know God? Well, the Bible tells us elsewhere that the biggest revelation of God is Jesus, as, as Rose said. 
If you want to know what God is like, well, look at Jesus. He came into this world to die, and when he died, he died to take God's judgment for all our self-righteous moments, for all those moments when in our hearts we judge others. And his offer is beautifully simple. If you trust that Jesus has died for us personally, then he will forgive our sin. He will forgive our self-righteousness. And he will make us right with God. It's not difficult to get to know God personally, like Rose has found. It's not difficult, but it often takes time, as Rose has said. And that, beca- that, that can be because we've got huge hang-ups about church or about Christians we know. Those hang-ups might need to be unpicked. God will do that if you ask him. Or perhaps we've just misunderstood the Bible. But the Bible encourages us us here not to waste the time that God has given. God has graciously given it to us to seek the truth about God. He wants us to find him out so we can fully enjoy a life where he is God and where we are his people. You know, the last point that this passage makes this morning is this. See yourself as God sees you. We think our goodness, good, good deeds count. Look at verse 6 to 8 with me. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. The other day I was um, down in the valley walking to a coffee shop with a friend when literally out of nowhere, honestly, boom, a little old lady appeared and she stopped us and she said, gentlemen, could one of you please please be so kind as to help me across the road? Now, initially, I was confused because although we talk about good deeds, like helping little old ladies across the road, I've never actually done that. This was so out of my my comfort zone and and my, my personal experience, I actually, just for a millisecond, looked around to see if anyone was pranking me. But, but having got over that, I, I, I offered my arm and carefully checked the traffic and I helped her across the road. And when I got back, my friend said to me, tongue in cheek, do you know, that's the kind of thing that gets mega bonus points in heaven, isn't it? <laughs> and that's how we're programmed to think that our good deeds, little old, helping little old ladies across the road, count on God's great big weighing scales. But do you know, That is totally the opposite of what this passage is saying. The Bible is not saying heaven will be given to those who do good things in this life in order to get heaven. Let me say it again. That's exactly not how God works. So it's not what we do that gets us a relationship with God. Instead, the relationship with God comes first and it leads to a life shaped by the love of God. So the best way to understand these verses is to ask the question, how do you know the difference between an apple tree and a peach tree? Most of us would say the best way of telling the difference between an apple tree and a peach tree is to look at the fruit that it produces. 
And in the same way, the Bible here says that just as we can know what kind of a tree we're sitting under by the fruit that it's ha- that's hanging from it, it's also true to say that you can tell whether or not a person has a real, vibrant relationship with God by the way that relationship with God impacts their life. So God's judgments is not based on what we do. My little old lady across the road is not going to count towards my celestial brownie points, I promise. No. God's judgment is based on who we know. God's judgment is based on who we know and who we do our good deeds for. The motivation is for him, not for us. So behind this passage, I'm going to say, honestly, it is quite a blunt passage, isn't it? There's an invitation from a loving God, though. Truly. God wants us to see what we're truly like and realize that we need him. We need him exactly because we judge, exactly because we assume we've got time, exactly because we think our good deeds count as something before God. But God says later on in this book that we need a new heart like Rose found. A new life lived knowing Jesus and knowing his forgiveness and love and the freedom that brings to live our lives, bringing pleasure to God in love and adoration of him. A relationship with Jesus cannot be earned by accumulating mega bonus points in heaven. Because a relationship with him is received, not earned. And the invitation throughout this passage is that there is a better way. A way where a relationship with God shapes our hearts and all the things we do. It begins with talking to Jesus, just like Rose did all those years ago. It begins with asking him to see our self-righteousness and forgive us for it asking him to show himself to us in the midst of all our confusion about God, asking him to be our king, the one who we live for. Now, perhaps you want to do that this morning. Well, I'm going to pray. And if you want to join me in that prayer, just say the prayer quietly in, in your mind, echo it in your mind. It's a prayer that asks Jesus to forgive you. And then come and speak to myself or Andy or Rose afterwards about it but let's just pray now together dear heavenly father i'm so sorry that i have tried to live in relationship with you on my terms and not your way i'm sorry for my self-righteousness I'm sorry for assuming that I've got time before Judgment Day, and I haven't. I'm sorry for thinking that my good deeds count and will somehow earn a relationship with you. I understand now who Jesus is. I know he died to deal with my self-righteousness, my assumptions, my trying to earn my way to heaven. 
And I know that I don't deserve his kindness to me. But because Jesus has died on the cross for me, I ask that you would forgive me. From now on, please give me the desire to obey you and help me to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.